0: Buddy, and welcome to sharing everything it's me your host joe balecki the sharer with ring bearer what because i am married
1: we didn't have a ring to, bearer. to
0: my other host katie balecki who is my wife uh-huh
1: that's me hi
0: Katie, this show is where we make each other watch movies that we like. Yep. And then we speak about them. Correct. We record those conversations and put them up on the interwebs.
1: hmm
0: And then we title that Sharing Everything. Yes. Which is this show. Mm-hmm. Which is the show where we watch movies. Yeah. What movie did I make <laughs> you watch this week? The Shining. The Shining. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like it? <laughs>
1: Is that what you want me to talk about? Did I like it?
0: Uh, uh here, give me a brief. And the movie's like two hours long, <laughs> but it's a famous movie. Mm-hmm. This isn't some weird, like, little art house thing that I made you watch. Mm-hmm. So, give me a brief overview of what The Shining is.
1: Okay, uh, The Shining is a movie wherein a family. Consisting of Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall and their kid, uh... Danny! Danny. They, uh, move into this hotel for the winter because Jack Nicholson takes a job as being, like, the caretaker of the hotel while it's shut down, um, for the winter because it's really remote and it's hard to get out there and blah, blah, blah. Uh, while they're living in the hotel, weird stuff happens, um... Jack Nicholson goes crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, tries to kill everybody. Mm-hmm. And the end. Yeah. Yeah, that's the movie.
0: Okay. This movie, like half of the movies that have ever been made, mm-hmm. is based off of a Stephen King novel. <laughs> yes. Uh, you have read more Stephen King novels than me. That is to say any. I've read two. Um, but we've watched a lot of... Stephen King related media. Mm-hmm. We've seen both It's and Misery, ele- Misery and 112263 and Cujo. Cujo. I've seen Pet Cemetery. I don't know mm-hmm. if you watched that with me or not. Mm-mm. What. What is your general feeling about Stephen King, I guess? Cuz we got to talk about Stephen King and then we have to talk about Stanley Kubrick. Mm, okay. And and then we'll have to talk in act 3 about how Stephen King hates this movie. Okay. But what of of the translated from Stephen King literature movies and TV that you've seen, how do you generally feel about them?
1: Um In general, I guess I like Stephen King's books. Um, I've liked most of the things that we have watched that were based on Stephen King books. Um, Probably my favorite was 112263. That's because I'm big into time travel stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I have some issues with Stephen King, mostly just based on the fact that all of his main characters are the same. He's really in love with Maine. Uh, he's really in love with Maine. <laughs> um, but in general, I find his stuff pretty entertaining.
0: What do you mean that all of his main characters are the same?
1: Uh, I guess I don't have a super big pool to draw from, because he's written like 800 books, and there have been like 850 adaptations of all of his stuff. Each. Yeah, so, um, and I've have only dipped into the pool a very little bit, mm-hmm. but seems like most of his characters are white guys, uh, who, I mean, with the exception of it, which is obviously about kids. However, you know, they're also about the adults.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, but but like, what about Carrie? But what about? Oh, I forgot Cujo? about
1: Kujo. Kujo's a dog. I think he's a male.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I don't, I don't re- actually remember the character's name. But it was about a mother and a son.
1: Yeah, I don't remember either. Um, it's hard to explain. I didn't know that we were going to be talking about Stephen King, so I wasn't. I mean, it's
0: based off a Stephen King novel.
1: I I know, but I thought we were going to be talk like dissecting the movie based on the documentary we watched. Well, we, we can so do that
0: too. N- wasn't I, prepared. I want to to real quick though ask. You as a woman. Yeah. I I oftentimes do hear the complaint that like white guy writers just like, yeah, all his characters are white men, or like all his protagonists are white men. hmm Would you like to see more male writers writing from a female perspective?
1: Um
0: Because I feel like that would be not well accepted because you'd have to be perfect
1: i don't think you'd have to be perfect to please everybody and for everybody to say now this is what i'm talking about you'd have to be perfect but like just you know try (laughs) like with any sense of i understand that there are issues with men writing female characters like there are issues with like white people writing non-white characters Mm -hmm. um but like just trying and doing so like do your research talk to people who you're actually writing about don't focus on what her boobs look like first thing in the morning when she wakes up you know like the the problem is that people so often try to make their character a man or try to make their character a woman before they try to make their character a person sure and so i would like to see male writers writing people and having some
0: having some of those people just so happen to be a girl
1: kind of like just have them be a person (laughs) so i mean it can be tricky i know to write what you don't know like that's the thing everybody says write what you know so if you're a white guy you know white guys so Mm -hmm. that's what you're gonna write about um but i think there's definitely room for progress to be made in that area because Again, I've only read two of his books and I've only seen so many of his movies. Mm-hmm. But the characters, the main characters are very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, Like sort of solitary guys, mm-hmm. introspective guys, either like writers or professors or
0: mm-hmm. whatever.
1: So like there's only, yes, everybody is different and everybody has their own facets and whatever, but there's only so many things you can do when your character is, a solitary white guy who's a writer and thinks he's really smart.
0: Yeah. I mean, I guess he's just writing himself into the story. Yeah, I guess. But but I feel like a lot of people do that. Yeah, definitely. And and Stephen King has such a prolific output and writes in primarily the horror genre. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can say that his his stories are really well written and could be considered literary. But, I mean, he writes in the horror genre. He's found in the horror section of the bookstore. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, at some point, it's more about the story than the characters.
1: Yes, which also makes me say, why not change it up a little bit then?
0: <laughs> this is true. I also feel like within the writing community, and I know this is a movie podcast, yeah. but I also feel like within the writing community, there's a lot of complaints about how many white men are getting published, yeah. at least in relation to
1: everyone else. N- Yeah, everybody else. Mm -hmm.
0: Because I don't think people are saying, stop publishing these white men. Definitely not. Definitely not. Because, like, nobody reads books anyway, so who cares? (laughs) But but it seems to me, as a, a white male writer, that writing from these other perspectives, whether or not I do a good job, is going to be met with that sort of cultural backlash of, like, so you published the white guy with the story about the gay chick, but you didn't publish the gay chick story about a gay chick? Like, yeah. why would you not do it? So, like, why why, why should I?
1: I? Yeah, I think that's more a problem with the publishing industry than with the writing community.
0: Yeah, but the writing community is... And this can be extrapolated to movies too. I yeah. think the the community of creators does their backlash as a reaction to what the gatekeepers decide to let through the gates. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, I got kind of off the rails. What do you think of The Shining? <laughs> do you like it?
1: Um. So this is one of those movies that you were just shocked I'd never seen before. Yeah. Um. Uh, I.
0: To be fair, I had only seen it like a year and a half ago for the first time but to be fair as well you've seen a lot of those sort of like 1001 movies to see before you die just because your dad has like made you watch them
1: when i was a kid we watched a lot of weird movies um but so i liked the shining um i didn't know anything about it i also know absolutely nothing about stanley kubrick Kubrick, so i don't know how much i'm Mm -hmm. going to be able to contribute to that part of the conversation um i thought it was interesting it was we've kind of talked about it before um the difference between suspense and dread Mm -hmm. and this sort of felt like dread to me
0: yeah this is the kind of horror that i like
1: yeah generally so i like I really like the kind of stories where everything starts off normal and then, like, ki- like kind of without you even realizing it, things just start going a little bit wacky. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, oh, this is this is weird now. And mm-hmm. then you're kind of just in it and you're like, all right, we have to see what happens.
0: Yeah, which you could say on a micro level, that's kind of what the story is. It's a story about being married to mm-hmm. a, a person who uh, becomes abusive. Mm-hmm. And you don't even really notice it at first. It's just like, man, he's been cranky a lot lately. And then suddenly, oh, he's not cranky. Yeah. Uh. Which which is interesting. And and yeah, like imagine if this movie had been made in, in 2017 or 2018, there wouldn't have been three or four axe chops before he broke through the door. Yeah. And Shelley Duvall wouldn't have known he was coming. She would have been, like, sitting there shivering, and then suddenly there would have been a huge explosion and a dubstep waddle and and him screaming, Here's Johnny! Yeah. And it it would not have worked.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, Also, just the premise of this movie, like, I loved it. Like, the fact that this family is going to live in this hotel that shuts down in the winter because... Mm -hmm. Like, no road, like, there's only one road, and it's treacherous. It's
0: winding up a mountain.
1: Like, just the fact that they're living there in isolation, that is so cool. Like, I'd love to do that, but at the same time, I'd be terrified. Um, I've always kind of been fascinated with stories about people living in places where they're not typically, like, you're not typically supposed to live, and I know this is, like, a really... T- uh, tame example. But, like I loved Eloise at the plaza when I was a kid. Sure, just because, like she's living in a hotel. Like that's so cool. like,
0: um it's, sweet like sweet like yeah, Cody. It's, it's
1: like a temporary thing, but you've made it your permanent thing. Mm-hmm. Um. And so I just thought that the idea of living in a hotel for, you know, like three or four months completely alone, like fending for yourself, like that would just seem so cool, but I think it would also be terrifying.
0: Well, when you divorce me, I'll let you know how it feels
1: don't appreciate that. Okay, and then also I did not mention in my brief summary, so when he goes to to interview about living in the or taking the t- caretaker job for mm-hmm. this hotel for the winter, they talk about how another caretaker who had done the same thing in the past like murdered his entire family at yeah, the hotel. Yeah, they
0: foreshadowed the heck out of it.
1: I know. And like
0: which makes the ending really
1: See, so you kind of you know what's coming. Yeah. But that's what makes it kind of, like, creepy. Because you think, well, how long is it going to take? And, is like, is there a chance that's not going to happen to him? And it's going to be a story about, you know, like, subverting your expectations or whatever.
0: Yeah. Is he going to fight it? Yeah. Is that is it going to be, like, the struggle mm-hmm. of a person and mental illness? It's also The Shining. The concept of The Shining is essentially the rich white person version of a Cabin in the Wood story. Hmm because there's no phones mm-hmm. there's the cb radio with the cops nobody can get there nobody can hear you scream you can't leave yeah it's a cabin in the woods
1: mm-hmm. yeah so i liked it i didn't i didn't specifically know what it was about before we started watching it and i feel like that's kind of hard to do nowadays at least to watch a movie that you literally don't know anything about all i knew was that it was based on a stephen king novel and that's it Mm -hmm. didn't know anything and that i had jack nicholson in it and i knew the here's johnny thing Mm -hmm. that's it i didn't know the premise and so i i really enjoyed coming into this movie that i already had a feeling i would like based on what little i knew about it Mm -hmm. like and just letting myself uh find out what the movie is about by watching it
0: yes now and and then the, the fun part about The Shining for me the first time I watched it was while I was watching it I realized all of the things all of the other media that I've consumed that have referenced The Shining. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's the episode of Bob's Burgers.
1: Episode of Psych.
0: Episode of Psych. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a Treehouse of Horror episode of The Simpsons where they had mm. The Shinning mm. and and Willie plays the Scatman Crothers character. And he says, "You got the Shining, Bart," <laughs> and Bart goes, "Don't you mean The Shining?" And he says, "Shh, boy, do you want to get sued?" Uh-huh. I realized I made groundskeeper Willie a pirate and not a Scotsman.
1: Mm-hmm. We're
0: gonna gloss over that. Okay, but now we should we should talk about Stanley Kubrick because also for this episode we didn't only watch The Shining, but we watched Room Two Thirty Seven, yeah, which is the documentary that has eight different film critics talking about The Shining mm-hmm. and their own interpretations of it. And the theories. And mm-hmm. and theories and, and work that they've done with The Shining. They've made maps of the hotel and written essays and done research. And so I feel like they didn't do a great job of necessarily introducing someone to Stanley Kubrick who didn't know him. Mm-hmm. And I've seen a handful of his bigger movies. I've seen Full Metal Jacket and 2001 A Space Odyssey and Eyes Wide Shut and Clockwork Orange. Uh, That's probably all that I've knowingly seen of him. But Kubrick is known to... He's pretty famous for being hard on his actors Mm. or downright mean. Which has has led to a lot of different uh, rumors and things like that. Like one of the rumors that I'm pretty sure isn't true is that he only allowed Jack Nicholson to eat like cheese sandwiches during the filming, so that he would just kind of be cranky, cranky the mm-hmm. whole time. And like Shelley Duvall had a really bad flew during filming and he still made her do his customary like 96 takes Mm -hmm. and was just like screaming at her and she's crying there's some behind the scenes footage where he's like screaming at her and she's got like snot coming down her face and she's sobbing and you can tell she's so tired and just wants to go home Mm -hmm. and it's late and all of that he's also known for being very meticulous The 96 takes aren't just because he's an asshole who likes wasting film. It's because he knows exactly what he wants the film to look like. Exactly. And if you don't do it exactly right, we're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this goes for the crew as well, I would assume. If the lighting doesn't look right, we're going to do the shot. If your camera move didn't look right, doing another take mm-hmm. if you said the line a little bit weird we're doing another take and because of that there are certain things in this film that are mentioned early on in room 237 that make people wonder is this symbolism mm-hmm so with Room Two Thirty Seven, you and I haven't watched a whole lot of film criticism together. We mm-hmm. don't wa- we don't curl up on the couch and watch every frame of p- painting or the Royal Oak Film Society YouTube videos or anything like that. Nope, not something we do. Nope, not not something I think you're interested in. Is nope, looking at films from an academic point of view. Not particularly. Which is totally fine. Uh, you don't have to want to do that. Um. So what did you think about that film?
1: Uh, I liked most of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like a couple of the theories or whatever that the people were talking about felt less... I don't know if I want to say valid, because everybody can be entitled to their opinions. Some of the things just seemed kind of off the wall to me, and I was like, eh.
0: Such as?
1: Well, the fact that it was, that somebody said it was a symbolism of like killing Native Americans or something, um, or what was the other one? Jer- uh, Hitler.
0: Yeah. Very, various Holocaust. Yeah.
1: It, it's, uh, I don't know. And what was the thing about the cans in the background? Okay. So. Okay. But I also want to talk about the one that I really like. So don't let me forget. Okay.
0: I think I know which one it is because it's like the other big one. It's, it's the one that's super off the wall. And if you have forgotten it, we're gonna I'm okay. gonna remind you. The thing with the cans was it was baking soda. Yeah, cans of baking soda, and the brand had the face of a Native American as the logo. Mm-hmm. And in one of the shots, Scatman Crothers is is like looking at the family and all of the cans are turned exactly the same way so that you can't see anything except for one can which is facing the camera. Mm-hmm. Like label out like it's an advertisement. Yeah. And like it's looking at Scatman Crothers, so it's like looking at the family too. And then it appears again and like the name of the brand translated from whatever Native American language it is translates to peace pipe or something mm-hmm. like that and then there's lots of photos on the wall of Native Americans yeah s- uh, things like that so there's lots of Native American symbolism there's a lot of Native American art in the architecture of the hotel
1: mm-hmm. but that makes sense for Colorado or wherever it is right yeah that's kind of just makes sense so I don't know if I would read too much into that I don't know anyway uh what was the one you wanted? The big one.
0: That it was Stanley Kubrick admitting to faking...
1: Oh, how did I forget about that? Movement. Oh, my God. What was uh, the one you wanted to talk about? That one made we'll, me so angry. We'll get
0: back to that one. What was What was the one you wanted to talk it's about?
1: It's not really so much a theory, but I just liked the lady who did the
0: map. Oh, and um, the impossible window. Yeah,
1: I loved that part. I loved it so much. So for some reason, maps fascinate me and, like, diagrams oh, and really? stuff. Yeah. Um. Hmm. There's this book uh that I see every time we go to Schulers and it's in like the literary criticism section and it's just like maps and diagrams of like famous book settings. Like so like oh. Hogwarts and all of these other like made up countries and stuff that are in all of these books. It's mm-hmm. just like maps and diagrams so it shows you based on the text what it would look like. Mm-hmm. I just think that's really cool. Um but I loved the impossible window thing yeah yeah that's just so weird like it had like it was on purpose like he did that because he if he's so meticulous he wouldn't have let it pass him by that oh yeah there's no way for there to be a window here that you see outside
0: yeah so that that ties into two things that I've been experiencing lately. Lately, I've been been reading a lot about and watching a lot of documentaries about the Dadaists and the Surrealists, mm-hmm. who do a lot of things sort of automatically, or at least early Surrealism art. There's a lot of like autonomous writing and art and and like fraudage and stuff like that, where where you would like rub, uh, like charcoal on paper that was laid over like bark Mm. and then you would like connect lines and stuff and make little creatures out of that Hmm. um and then we also watched the room a lot lately yeah we've we've seen it twice plus the disaster artist yeah because you know it's a fascinating story but that's another one of those things where there's Strange things that become charming or talking points that happens accidentally, such as the spoons. Yeah, which so you point at Tommy Wiseau and just like, oh, he was too lazy to take the stock footage out of the picture frames that they bought at Meyer that day, right?
1: Is, this is really interesting because when you were talking about Stanley Kubrick, I wanted to bring up Tommy Wiseau as like another version of that. Anyway, yeah. continue.
0: Yeah, so so anyway, you look at Tommy Wiseau and you're like, Oh man, those spoons are in there, it's an accident. Mm-hmm. But you look at Stanley Kubrick and you say, Oh man, the type or the, the typewriter changes colors mm-hmm. from one act to the next.
1: And then you and don't that
0: that means something. Yeah, exactly. You know? And that that's what makes art so frustrating. Mm-hmm is because there, there's an element of separating artist from art that you can't do at a certain point. So you can separate his intent. He, he could have come out and said, this movie's totally about the Holocaust. I chose the German typewriter on purpose, and it changes from white to black to symbolize uh, Jack Nicholson's character getting eviler and eviler. Like, his life is getting darker. He could say that. Mm-hmm. I don't think he has. Mm-hmm. could... And, and you would kind of like have to accept it or, or you would have to outright ignore it. Like when Ridley Scott says Deckard is a replicant and I say, no, you're wrong. And he says, well, I directed the film and I would still say, well, you're wrong though. <laughs> right. But Stanley Kubrick, I don't think said too much about it. He just put it in there and you know, just from the context of who he is, that that was an intentional artistic choice. And that's, like, frustrating. Yeah. Just because you can't do that with everything, so you have to know something about the artist. Because Stanley Kubrick is an interesting director who I don't know hardly anything about. Mm-hmm. Everything I've said about him has kind of exhausted my knowledge, unlike David Lynch.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But there's also that element of, I don't want to know more about Stanley Kubrick because I like to just consume his movies as movies knowing he's a monster of a director and super meticulous. And so everything that's in there is not accidental. Go Mm -hmm. And, and explore it. Whereas David Lynch, I just like to hear him talk and he doesn't say much about what his movies are about, but I don't want to look more into Stanley Kubrick because I don't want to know. What, mm-hmm. what he thinks the movies are about or wants to say what the movies are about. Mm-hmm. I just want to watch them and go, holy oh, crap, what a movie. Yeah. Um So yeah, the Impossible Window. Did you notice that as you were watching it? Didn't like even like a kind of like a lizard brain sort yeah, of level? Like, I wait think, a minute. I
1: think there was that sort of lizard brain thing because after we watched it in the in the documentary i was kind of like huh i knew there was something off about that scene but i couldn't figure out what it was and then afterward i'm like did i know that that window was impossible or is my brain telling me i knew because the documentary just told me that it was Mm -hmm. um but yeah i remember feeling like something was just off in that scene yeah um Probably because of all the bright sunshine that was streaming in Mm -hmm. and everything else is kind of muted. And
0: and what it does to the film is it has that blue haze Mm -hmm. around it. Yeah, for sure. You want to talk about the moon landing? (sighs) Yes. (laughs) So, my favorite part about that guy and his theory Mm -hmm. is that he doesn't deny that we landed on the moon. He just posits... That the footage that we know of as the footage of the moon landing is not from the moon. Which and is the str- why would that happen? It's the strangest hill to die on. <laughs> what is the purpose of that? It's the like the. Okay. If if he if he were talking about politics, we would make fun of him for being such a centrist, right? Like, he's, like, of moon landing conspiracy theorists, he's the guy of, like, here's Jane and here's Jill. Jill voted for Hillary Clinton and Jane voted for Donald Trump. They know politics isn't everything, so they're still friends, right? Mm
1: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah. So, okay, here's the thing. We went to the moon. The pictures are not fake. Conspiracy theorists need to calm down and just have some tea. So... I think that that dude is a lunatic. I think that that theory is ridiculous. And I I really... I was getting angry and I don't know why. I'm pretty sure I said shut up when he was talking. You did. And that's strange
0: to me. (laughs) Because you're not a huge... Like space travel, person.
1: No, every time you say you want to go to Mars, I say no.
0: No, I'm 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 saying like even in terms of being excited about the science of it. I
1: don't really care. You don't
0: like NASA on Facebook. You're not. You're not. You know, getting lady boners to Elon Musk doing Falcon Heavy launches.
1: But here's the thing: I totally believe in aliens. Oh.
0: So that's an interesting thing. So all the unsolved mysteries, you're you're like, yeah, yeah, that that checks out. Like that's t- so
1: the to- UFOs. I don't, don't believe. Totally I don't okay. believe in UFOs. <laughs> Just I think the
0: concept of life on other yes, intelligent life yes, on other there planets. Is,
1: there is most certainly intelligent life on other planets. Oh
0: yeah, I don't even think that that's an argument anymore.
1: I are you what? People always talk about how no. That's not true. It's all, there's no little green men. Like of weird, course there's not any little green men. W-
0: weird evangelical Christians, yes, but you don't talk to those people <laughs> anyway about anything. You just, the the universe is too goddamn big. Exactly. It is so aliens.
1: narcissistic of us to think that we are the only ones here in this huge, enormous, vast, infinite universe. Word. There's absolutely no way we are alone. Zero percent chance.
0: So why are you so mad at the guy who just thinks that the moon landing footage is fake?
1: Okay. First of all, why would, what is the point of faking footage of something that most certainly 100% happened? What is the purpose of that? He's probably going to say there were aliens there and the government doesn't want people to know about aliens. Shut up. No. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, look, at,
0: look at the waveform. I just want you to look at the waveform. <laughs> this is where it is normally. Uh-huh,
1: I'm talking very excitedly. You're
0: I'm sorry. It's going into the red. These red I'm things sorry. are lighting up.
1: I'll calm down. I just think it's ridiculous. Like, <sighs> okay, the government is known to spend money on stupid things, but why yeah. would they spend money on that? That's so dumb.
0: <sighs> can I, can I mansplain some devil's advocacy? Stop. No? Okay. I'll lean back.
1: People who say things like that are just trying to make... They they want to make themselves feel smart, like they figured something out. He analyzed all this footage that's supposedly from the moon landing. And I say supposedly because it totally is. I'm not making any sense anymore. <laughs> it was from the real moon landing, okay? He's analyzing this footage... Because he wants to think that he sleuthed it out. And he's the only person who has all this proof. And he's like, yeah. And I even connected it to Stanley Kubrick. How cool is that? Like, he wants to... He's just trying to find his 15 minutes of fame. And I know this was, like, 40 years ago. What is my problem? You can mansplain to me now. I'm getting really upset.
0: Okay. (laughs) One might think that they would fake the footage... For a couple reasons. One, what if we didn't actually get to the moon? We did! I'm saying, you make the footage ahead of time. Okay. Right?
1: Oh, okay. I see what you're saying.
0: Right? It's like...
1: It's insurance.
0: It's insurance. Yeah. It's it's like just how if you go out to the Amazon, you're going to find...
1: How sad is it that the first thing that popped in my head was a website when you said the Amazon?
0: (laughs) If you go out to the jungles in Brazil... You're going to find all of these natives there mm-hmm. with t-shirts that say the Atlanta Falcons won the 2017 yeah. Super Bowl. Yeah. Because they make both because you need to have it right, like, away. right away. Similarly, you might fake some of that footage in case we didn't get to the moon. What if we got to the moon late? What if the camera broke when we got up there? What if that's not how radio waves work and like, we couldn't get the broadcast down to Earth with video or some re- some something right what if neil armstrong said the n-word when he got up there oh you know <laughs> what if there were aliens up there like who knows what you know what if he just starts reading the communist manifesto when he gets to the moon
1: and like, edit that part out but it was a
0: news news broadcast in air
1: quotes. oh now you're doing air quotes hold on hold on do you think those pictures are fake
0: no uh, absolutely not
1: <laughs> okay thank you
0: absolutely not I'm not saying I don't think that there is fake footage out there in a vault somewhere that they made just in case, because of course in, in it's the the height of the cold war. We got to get to the moon. We're spending all this money out there. They already put a man orbiting around the earth before us. We have to beat the Russians somehow. We're getting to the moon first.
1: Okay, can I can I can I just break in with a little tangent here? Sure. And
0: then we should probably talk about the shining. Okay.
1: How funny would it be if the Americans and the Russians made it to the moon at the same time. They both <laughs> just landed on the moon. <laughs> just hanging out up there. <laughs> I picture them like breaking out like a cheese plate. <laughs>
0: american comrades we brought cheese plate and they it's brought ve- that little monkey too. it's very good cheese plate we brought monkey his name is sergey he's good he's good monkey sergey bring him cheese plate oh my god like how the hell did you figure out how to breathe on the moon without helmets <laughs> it's no problem it's no problem we have a guy in moscow he figure it out how did he figure it out that's supposed to be about it's no problem it's oh no god. problem
1: I'm crying! What is wrong with me?
0: <laughs> it's no
1: problem.
0: Uh, okay. We we figure out how brief. No no worries. Chernobyl it? I don't even know if Chernobyl was before or after. It doesn't matter. Anyway, everything in Russia happens in the fourth dimension. Like Russia has will and 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 is happening simultaneously. Russia is the past, present, and future.
1: <laughs> All right.
0: All hail Vladimir Putin.
1: No, stop. Our
0: our true president.
1: Um, all right. Do you want to talk about this movie?
0: Yeah. Okay. Did, you, did you like The Shining?
1: I already said yes.
0: What What I want is I want to watch more Stanley Kubrick movies with you, maybe not necessarily for for the show, mm-hmm. but I feel like Kubrick has a very distinct style and it's hard to pinpoint for me. Aside from Like, deliberateness. Like, every... uh, His movies just feel crafted. And and even... And that doesn't necessarily mean that I feel like they're superior movies. Because... There's movies like The Florida Project, which will probably win an Oscar or something, that essentially... I don't think the main woman was stunt-casted, but she was like an Instagram model. Or something. And... Like American Honey which I thought was a great movie was just like here's a bunch of bummy kids I found on spring break and like handheld camera stuff like there's going to be inconsistencies or flourishes or whatever based on who's holding the camera or whatever so I'm not I'm not here saying that I feel like because something is deliberate it makes it better Mm Mm-hmm but there is just something about his movies that feels so incredibly right. And even though a lot of his movies kind of make you feel terrible, they're about really heavy subject matters, there's something about the world that he builds with his production design and his cinematography and the way he directs his actors that makes me want to live in those worlds or makes me feel like I am living in those worlds. And so since this isn't a one-person podcast, do do, do you feel like that a little bit watching The Shining? Do you kind of understand what I'm saying?
1: Yeah, I do. Um, But I haven't seen any other Stanley Kubrick movies, so Mm -hmm. I can't really say if that's for sure a thing with him. But yeah, this movie did have a very distinct feel to it. Um, It all felt, like you said, very deliberate um and
0: like it's kind of a redundant thing to say but it felt like a movie Mm -hmm. like sometimes like even bigger budget movies don't feel like movies to me like the newest star wars movie didn't feel like a movie what'd it feel like i don't know like but it didn't feel like a movie
1: could it be like a like, it, like a time thing like it might, this movie is like 40 years old well it's from
0: yeah it's from the 70s yeah i guess that's 40 years ago wow
1: came out in 1980
0: did it yeah oh did you look it up
1: Mm-hmm. oh okay i it thought was... i would do a little bit of research it felt,
0: felt like a 70s movie to me but
1: well i mean obviously then it was made in the 70s
0: but yeah uh sure <laughs> um it could be a time thing maybe it's a franchise thing too the mm-hmm. fact that the shining's just a one-off yeah. It's just a one-off movie. It's a self-contained story, which which isn't a thing you even get with like books anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like everything has to be a series and a franchise and capitalism blah 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 blah. So maybe maybe that's part of it is that it just feels like for 2 hours I'm going to be in another world. But part it's got to be something more than that because I don't get that feeling watching other even good films. Like even even David Lynch movies, like I'll watch Eraserhead and it feels like I'm watching an art project. Mm-hmm. Or I watch a Nicholas Reffin movie and it feels like <clears throat> I'm watching a painting. But I watch a Stanley Kubrick movie and it feels like I'm watching a movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what that necessarily means. Maybe there is that element of like oldness mm-hmm. to it. Maybe he does have a very sort of nostalgic way. He does things. Yeah, I'm not sure.
1: That would be my guess because I I don't think while watching it I noticed anything, where I was like, "Wow, this is a movie," like you mm-hmm. did. But again, I haven't seen any of his other movies. Um, I don't know how many movies from that time period I have seen to compare it to. Um, also, I guess, I guess I don't know because i haven't read the book how much of this is because of what stephen king wrote and how much of it is because of stanley kubrick
0: okay well let's get into the trivia then because
1: i've heard that he hates it
0: he hates it
1: okay that's all i know
0: um we're gonna get into the trivia so so we're gonna pause our, our our thought about stephen king in case it comes up in the imdb trivia okay which i'm sure it will there, there was an article I read a long time ago where he went into it deeper. But you're playing a dangerous game. <laughs> she just put her legs on me, uh, and I've been fidgety. So we're gonna see how that goes.
1: I needed to stretch out. It's
0: 1980. Apparently, there was a TV miniseries. Really. 1997. Mm. So Stephen King hated it so much. He said, "No, I will do it."
1: Oh, so the miniseries is Stephen King.
0: I, pr- probably. That's what I assume. Um, because Danny Lloyd was so young, and since it was his first acting job, Stanley Kubrick was highly protective of the child. During the shooting of the movie, Lloyd was under the impression that the film he was making was a drama and not a horror movie. In fact, when Wendy carries Danny away while shouting at Jack in the Colorado lounge, she is actually carrying a life-size dummy so Lloyd would not have to be in the scene. He only realized the truth several years later when he was shown a heavily edited version of the film. He did not see the uncut version of the film until he was 17, 11 years after he had made it. Jeez. It's kind of sweet.
1: Yeah. I always wonder that when there are kids in roles that are, like, gross or bad things happen to them, or they have to say weird bad things, or they murder people. Mm-hmm. I'm always like, how did their parents let them do this? And then I realized the kid is probably not really aware of any of that stuff. Yeah.
0: Um. According to Shelley Duval, the infamous Here's Johnny scene took place or took 3 days to film and and the use of 60 doors. Oh my god. To get Jack Nicholson in the right agitated mood. Oh, this is when we said he only he was only fed cheese sandwiches for 2 weeks, which he hates. Ugh. I don't know if that's real, but I almost want to believe it. Mhm. Um Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall have expressed open resentment against reception of the film, feeling that critics and audiences credited Stanley Kubrick solely for the film's success without considering the efforts of the actor's crew or strength of Stephen King's underlying material. Nicholson and Duvall have said that the film was one of the hardest of their careers. In fact, Nicholson considers Duvall's performance the most difficult role he's ever seen an actress take on. Duvall also considers her performance the hardest of her life. I mean, compared to Popeye, I'm sure that's true. Um, the throwing of the tennis ball inside was Jack's idea. The script only said Jack is not working. Mm. Uh, Shelley Duvall suffered from nervous exhaustion throughout filming, including physical illness and hair loss. I
1: wonder if I have nervous exhaustion. Maybe. <laughs>
0: Um. let's see there were so many changes to the script during shooting that Jack Nicholson claimed he stopped reading it he would <laughs> read only the new pages that were given to him that day
1: eh, I don't blame him uh,
0: apparently the idea of Danny to move his finger as Tony was talking uh, mm-hmm. was the actor's choice oh so as meticulous as, as Kubrick is it does sound like he isn't quite the dictator Yeah, he might be hard to work with but he doesn't sound like Mm -hmm. super dictator Uh, Stanley Kubrick known for his compulsiveness and numerous retakes got the difficult shot of blood pouring from the elevators in only three takes it would be remarkable if it weren't for the fact that the shot took nine days to set up Jeez! every time the doors opened and the blood poured out Kubrick would say it doesn't look like blood in the end the shot took approximately a year to get right
1: oh my god that's ridiculous.
0: Um, Stephen King was quite disappointed in the final film. While admitting that Stanley Kubrick's visuals were stunning, he said that was surface and not substance. He often described the film as a fancy car without an engine. Mm. One of the things I remember Stephen King saying was that in the book, uh, the Jack Nicholson character has a more steady... or noticeable descent into madness like he starts out as a nice father mm-hmm. i think the whole like he hit him once. he hit danny once when he was drunk yeah thing wasn't in the book maybe mm. and said that jack nicholson kind of starts out as a madman and ends up as a madman and that's i think a symptom of casting jack nicholson yeah because he's a madman Despite Stanley Kubrick's fierce de- demands on everyone, Jack Nicholson admitted to having a good working relationship with him. It was with Shelley Duvall that he was a completely different director. He allegedly picked on her more than anyone else, as seen in the documentaries, making The Shining and Stanley Kubrick a life in pictures. He would really lose his temper with her, even going so far as to say that she was wasting the time of everyone on set. She later reflected that he was probably pushing her to her limits to get the best out of her and that she wouldn't trade the experience for anything, but it was not something she ever wished to repeat.
1: Maybe he's just sexist. She's the only woman in the movie.
0: She is the only.
1: Well, besides the pediatrician or whoever that was. Aside from. Jeez, what is wrong with me?
0: I don't know. Um, Vivian Kubrick reveals that Shelley Duvall received no sympathy at all from anyone on the set. Oh my god. This was apparently Stanley Kubrick's tactic in making her feel utterly hopeless. This is most evident in the documentary when he tells Vivian, don't sympathize with Shelley. Kubrick then goes on to tell Duvall it doesn't help you. Mm. Um, one of Stanley Kubrick's favorite films was Eraserhead, directed (laughs) by David Lynch. Kubrick cited the film as a creative influence during the making of this movie. And screened it to put the cast and crew in the mood he wanted to achieve for the film. Hmm. Did you catch that? Or did you get that? Does this feel like a very Eraserhead type of film to you?
1: I don't think so. No? No. I feel like this movie is not quite as bonkers as Eraserhead is. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Definitely not so abstract. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... The snowy maze near the conclusion of the movie consisted of 900 tons of salt and crushed styrofoam. Wow. Stephen King did not know that murder, spelled backwards, was red rum until he actually typed it. He loved the various connotations of the word. Red Rum was a favorite, race, famous racehorse in the '70s, hmm. and also the rapper Esham, in the '90s, was a popular acid rapper. And he would he would say Red Rum all the time. He'd be like, "We're sipping on Red Rum," hmm. because murder. Yeah. Um. There's a great deal of con- what.
1: Wondering if the mic picked up your stomach oh, rumbling. Oh, maybe. It <laughs> was pretty maybe. loud.
0: It, it was. We're getting hungry. We're getting to. We're getting to the end here. Yeah. We're right. gonna go get some steak and shake. All right. Um. Man, there's a lot. I don't want to read all of these, or even like try to pick one out. Sometimes there's no trivia, and sometimes there's too much trivia. mm Hmm. In the novel and the miniseries, Jack was a teacher at a prep school but lost his job after hitting a student. He managed to get a few stories published in local magazines. Okay. Uh, The most accurate model of the famous maze prop that Jack looks over in the lobby was made by Adam Savage. Savage. Of Mythbusters fame. Really? he, He made the model maze. Um, Danny hid The Shining from Jack and Wendy in the book. So he doesn't tell anybody that he can shine.
1: Did he tell anybody in the movie? I don't think he
0: did. I don't know if he did either. Um, there's another thing I wanted to grab. I think, isn't there on IMDb, like, awards? Yes. Three Mm -hmm. wins and seven nominations. It won... Uh, Shelley Duvall was nominated for a Razzie for this film.
1: Oh, poor Shelley. For
0: Worst Actress.
1: Oh, poor Shelley.
0: To be fair, Stanley Kubrick was also nominated no, nominated for Worst Director.
1: It's an honor just to be nominated?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: But yeah, Shelley Duvall's... Uh, she's an interesting... Actress,
1: I feel like, and I have no idea anything about her career, I feel like she seems like a theater actress.
0: Her, her IMDb photo sort of implies that. Oh, yeah. It's black and white, and she's kind of looking up into a spotlight.
1: Mm. Yeah, she seems a little a little over the top, and to me that always screams they were trained as a theater actor.
0: Mm-hmm. They were trained to project, project, project until finally you get a live mic taped yeah. to your chest, and you don't have to do that anymore. For sure. Mm-hmm. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie?
1: Um, I liked it.
0: Um, We went in so many different directions with yeah, this we episode did. today.
1: It's a little bit off the wall, too. That's okay. That was fun.
0: The movie drove us into madness. <laughs>
1: um. Uh,
0: I, I've got a question. Yeah. It's a minor question. Okay. So, Scatman Crothers, the black man in this film...
1: Oh, my God. I hate it when you say that. (laughs) Yes.
0: He... They show him in his room, Mm -hmm. like in his apartment, Mm -hmm. and above his television, he has a large portrait of a naked black woman, Mm -hmm. and then over his bed behind him, he has another portrait of a different, large, naked black woman. Mm -hmm. He obviously isn't married. And lives alone Mm -hmm. in a very small apartment. He probably makes way less money than he should for what he does. Probably because he's black. However, the idea of having a painting above a television... Would you ever have us do that in our home? Because I feel like I would never, ever, ever look at the TV while it was on. I would always just stare at the painting.
1: Yeah, I think that's weird.
0: That's what bugged me the most. (laughs) Not the fact that he had large naked women on his walls but the fact that they were above the television
1: yeah that's weird um I've thought of something <sighs> what do you think of the ending the last shot
0: oh we didn't even talk no, about that no we didn't but what that means or anything what does it
1: mean what does it mean tell me what does it mean
0: <sighs> so what does it mean because if you're taking it literally it calls into question the rules of the universe an awful lot, mm-hmm. right? Does that mean that Jack is a ghost? Does that mean that oh there's a key and peel skit that heavily references the shining as well mm. that uses that as a punchline as well? Anyway, so does that mean that Danny and 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 the wife are, are ghosts too? And they're all and like all three of them are living through hell together? Or does Jack keep getting, like, reincarnated? That's what
1: I keep thinking. That's what I thought, is that he keeps murdering his family, and then he comes back because he died at the end, right? It,
0: it sure looks like he was a Jacksicle, yeah. <laughs> Jacksicle,
1: yeah. Jack I th- Sickleson. See, I think that's what happens, but then at the same time, how do the hotel staff, whoever, not know...
0: Like how often does he come back? Because the, yeah. the butler man says, But sir, you've never left.
1: Yeah. And the you'd think somebody would have looked at that picture on the wall and said, Hey, that's that's this dude.
0: Or does the picture change to reflect the man every then, time that it happens? But then
1: why would it say nineteen twenty
0: one? The picture changes. So, like, it's him in the photo every time, even if it's a different him.
1: Oh, gotcha. That could be.
0: So, is it, like, the spirit of the original dude who possesses the man every time he goes in there?
1: That could be. I think so. Uh, I think that makes the most sense to me. But it's also very open-ended.
0: It sure is. It's open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. All art is subjective. Yeah. You can never say whether anything is good or bad. I mean you can. You sure can. <laughs> I'm just destroying the heck out of this rubber band ball. Yeah, why are you doing that? I don't know. I'm just like I'm just like picking at it. I should have brought my slime in here to mm-hmm. switch, but then I would have been making fart sounds. I really <laughs> you know I feel like all 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 people who do audio things need something to do with their hands, mm-hmm. and as much as I don't want to feel like a 12-year-old idiot kid, I you really fidget I spinner? really feel like a fidget spinner would be the best choice, because mm-hmm. it's pretty quiet unless I, like, click it too much. Mm-hmm. But this rubber band ball is quiet, but it's also not going to last very long. Nope. Maybe I should just get a stress ball, but I feel like a Don't assume... you
1: have one? There's one down there, isn't there? Is it? Is there? I thought there was. I don't know. You have one. I
0: don't
1: know. Anyway. I got
0: hacky sacks and juggling balls around here.
1: This is Prime Podcasting. It uh,
0: sure
2: is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Anything else you want to say?
0: Um Do we have any emails? No. We have no emails. <laughs> well you can email the show at sharing everything show at gmail.com. Yeah, please do. And Did you mute me? No. Oh. I muted the, oh, the, the reverb microphone. The funny mic. <laughs> no, the reverb <laughs> microphone. The funny mic's still on. What? I'm the funny one.
1: Oh, okay. What? I, 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 Who am I?
0: The woman. <laughs> what? You're You're the token woman of this podcast.
1: Great.
0: I mean you're also my wife. Yeah. You're the token woman in my life. <laughs> so when people point at me and say, You're sexist, I can say, but I have a wife and oh my she god. loves me.
1: Oh my god. Let's not. <sighs> Anything else?
0: What are we doing next week?
1: Uh we are going to watch One Day. One day? Yep.
0: With um Jake Franco. And no. he, he gets Jake Franco. <laughs> you talking about? Did I say Jay Franco? <laughs> yes. James Franco. No. He's in Utah.
1: No, what he, are you doing? He, he
0: gets caught in the cave and and he That he's, is he's 127 hours.
1: Says, me. Also
0: I'm James. I'm Jack Franco stuck in a cave.
1: We literally talked about who is in this movie this morning.
0: Han Hathaway.
1: Anne Hathaway.
0: And Sturge Jimsus. Jim
1: Sturgis. Are you okay?
0: I'm hungry. Okay. <laughs> I need to get dinner. Okay. <laughs> All right.
1: Yeah, that's what we're watching next week. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a good time. Make sure you tune in. You can find us at uh, noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything.
0: You can hear what that's doing to, to <laughs> the recording, right? When you do that. No. Do you not have the headphones up loud enough to hear that Like when you move the mic away from your face, it gets quieter?
1: I'm just swinging it around. I know. No, I Don't can't. Don't do that. Okay. You can find us at noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything. You can listen to us on iTunes and Stitcher and all those good places. You should email us. Like we already said, I'm just being repetitive now. Uh, we're going to watch one... <laughs> One day, next
0: time Did you like the
1: shining? Yes
0: (laughs) Well, until next time Keep sharing, keep talking Wait, who's Sharon? Keep loving (laughs) Sharon Stone, she's in one day No, she's not Sarah Silverman
1: No, what? That's not a Sharon Anyway, bye
0: Sharon Silverman by now